ministry of Nelson Ehiago. Be stirred as you listen. argument that Genesis is also part of New Covenant. Seeing that um, I think is it Genesis 15.3 where it says Abraham believed and he was counted to him for righteousness. That kind of thing. I think Paul also corroborates it in, in Romans 4 or 5. What's your question? My question is, is Genesis. Can you say or will I say the whole Genesis or Genesis would you say does, New Covenant? Does it meet the criteria of Hebrews 9, which is what I said, that except the testator dies, the testament is not in force. Had Jesus died? By testator, what do you mean, sir? The testator, so, uh, testator is old English. The word is will. Hmm? If the will of a man is in force, if the will of a man is in force, right, or a will of a man is useless while he's still alive. If I have 80 properties and I want to properties, if I have 80 properties with Shiv, and I want to give, I want to give it, I want to will it out to 80 of my children, that's children, grandchildren and all. That document is useless as far as I'm alive. The document only comes into view when I've left this mortal plane. So that's what Hebrews was saying. That's what Hebrews was saying with both of them. Are you listening to me? That's what Hebrews was saying with um, that's what Hebrews was basically saying. So in the old covenant, the old covenant was instituted by blood. The new covenant was instituted by the blood of Jesus. So you cannot call it the new covenant because Jesus had not died. So, the thing is, uh, because some statements have become so popular, we think that they are man-made inventions. Do you understand? We think that they are man-made inventions, but they are not. Like, for example, this thing I just said about testament is not my idea. It's Hebrews. Saying that Jesus is the message of scriptures is not my idea. It's scriptures that point us to that. Do you understand? So, yeah. Follow-up question. This guy doesn't like you. Second question. This is a, this is not part of what has been taught today, but don't ask it. No, sir. Is <laughs> sir? It's it's a bit part. <laughs> so there's a man of God that has blessed more than half of the people here. I don't want to mention his name because, I mean, he has blessed almost all of us here. And he has this story about his friend, you know, going to preach, maybe in a local village or something like that. And he says this woman, you know, she has been a dickness. And his friend was preaching and the, lady, the woman or the grandma was crying. And, you know, he, and he was saying, the grandma was saying, she was just get, hearing the gospel for the first time. And she was already a dickiness. Now, my question. Now, the story. What I'm picking from the story. and, and it's, 
Okay, what is your question? Okay, let, let, let me get to the question. Thank you. Okay, so my question is, are we now saying the woman isn't saved? Because she has probably heard about Jesus before. I mean, she had been in the church for decades. Yeah, she might not have heard the gospel as, as grace. Like, you know, there is, when, there is a way you preach the gospel where the emphasis is on grace and what Jesus has done for you. But maybe she heard it like in a different way. You know, they tell her maybe believe Jesus, but it still work like you get. So my question is, are we saying if that woman didn't hear the gospel at that point in time? And this story, I'm sure people can already tell who I'm talking about. But like what I'm picking out is, are we saying the woman wasn't saved until she heard that message? I don't know. But what I will say is this. What I will say is this, it is the gospel that saves. Many people are saved and they don't know. Many people are not saved and they think they are. Right? The eternal destination of a man is not something we want to leave to chance. Because there are many places where many of them may be saved, but they don't even know this message. They don't know, they cannot articulate the message that saved them. Right? And that's poor. That's poor. So they may be saved. Right? May. But then there are people who there are people who are saved and they don't know. There are people who think they are saved. Just like Paul spoke about in Hebrew in Romans ten. He spoke about the Hebrews, the Romans, the Jews, sorry. He said, I bear them a record that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Right? So you can be zealous and passionate for God. In fact, Jesus said that you can, you, many, a time will come where they will be killing you in my name and think that they are doing me service. Hmm? So you need to know, it's a lot of things. It's a lot of things that is wide on the spectrum. But, and it's not something that can be left to chance. So am I saying she was not saved? I don't know. But she didn't know the gospel. And the gospel was properly explained. So it's possible she could have been saved. It's possible. But then again, it's also possible she could not have been saved. So. But uh, it's better to be sure that they are saved than to leave it to chance. That's what I'm trying to say. Hello, sir. Yeah. My question is, when you were teaching on the teaching about the prophetic agency literal meaning and how the, the Old Testament... Ah, prophetic agency and literal meaning are two different subtopics. So. Yes. Which one exactly? Okay, the literal meaning. Okay. So I'll look at that. Okay. Um, the question is, how then do you... Re- because the way it, were written, it was written, as you were giving examples, how they use poetic iterations for context and all that. How did they reconcile the because people will come with the argument that there's so much intelligence behind it that it had to be man-made and then it's not spiritual because it's not really straight. There's always this somewhat hidden meaning, this poetic idea and all of that. It looks like a storybook or just something. Like, How then do you reconcile it? Because it seems so intelligent. See, I think many people even say it. For the Bible to be man-made, the ingenuity behind it has to be something else. Like I said, 40 different authors in, one, in a span of 1,500 years. 
with the same message where you can draw a line from Genesis to Revelations and still end in Christ. The ingenuity is dangerous. Right? However, like I said, the Bible does not validate Christianity. Christianity validates the Bible. The Bible does not validate Christianity. Christianity, did Jesus rise from the dead? Then the epistles are true. Did Jesus rise from the dead? Then the epistles are true. If the epistles are true, the epistles validate the, the Gospels and the Old Testament. The entire scriptures are true. So, like I said, the, many people can attack many things in the Bible, but my faith, my faith is not on the premise of six books. On 66 books. It's on the premise that Jesus rose from the dead. And if he, ri- if he rose, I will rise. So, yeah. Thanks, sir. She, she has one. Uh, my question is for the, you said the, the um, scriptures are inspired by God, right? Um, so, w- how about people that are inspired even after the Bible has been written? So, some people claim, especially people that are inspired um, to do what? Inspired by God. So to some do people, what? Like, inspired something inspires them, like there are some things that are revealed to them. So, right. So, are you talking of, why can't they add? Exactly. So, some orthodox people have some other things that are now, they're now, they're not saying as scripture, they're saying as doctrine, but like, they say that they claim that it's inspired by God as well. So, why? Do you know, I was coming on the radio, I was coming and my boat guy was playing something on the radio, and one guy was lying to Nigerians over the airways. Yeah. As he said it, I said that's not true now. But anyways, see, scriptures ignorance is costly. So I had one lady, she called into the show, she said uh, Christianity is something about Christianity is not doctrine. There's doctrine and then there's Christianity. Like listen to yourself. What are you saying? It's not the same way people say there's Christianity and then there's, there's spirituality and there's religion. There's Christianity and then there's religion. Well, James told us this is true religion. Christianity is a religion. It's a system of faith. And it's something that you have to do dogmatically. So he says it's not a religion, it's a life. It's a life you live religiously. Right? So necessary it's semantics. So no no hold on. So going back, why can't you add to scriptures? Simple. The Bible lets us understand that scriptures were first of all the old testament canon was closed before the apostles came. When I say it was closed, I mean they had books that they already recognized as books of from God, books of the law, books of the prophets, the books of wisdom that Solomon Job. Ecclesiastes, Job, and uh, Proverbs. And then, anyways, I've said the Lord and the Psalms. The Lord, the Psalms, the prophets, and then the books on wisdom. They had that closed. Right? Anyways, I, I will have time to get into the canon, so I will explain that. Then you come to the New Testament and then, um, I'm going to answer it um, 
a little bit because we're still going to go into that. But you come to the New Testament and Ephesians 3, 5 answers that. Scriptures was found on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Is it 3, 5 or 2? No, Ephesians 2, 20. Is it 3, 5? It's, it's on, the, on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And that's why many of the books that were assimilated into the New Testament canon were written by apostles. It was built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Hence, what God, God, Jesus had already spoken that the word is given to, he had already explained that, um, I have many things to say to you. Now, you know, that verse was not speaking to every believer. It was speaking to the disciples, the apostles. He said, I have many things to say to you. He said, but you cannot bear them. However, when the spirit of truth comes, he will what? Guide you into all truth. He was talking to the disciples. He will what? Guide you into all truth. Who is he talking? Um, um, so, the truth that the spirit had come to guide them into was what eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has he entered into the heart of men, man. They are the things that he has revealed unto us. And that's why you cannot have your own interpretation of scripture. You say, God revealed to me through the scripture. No. God has revealed to the apostles. We read and understand. Paul said, I wrote to you that you may read and understand my revelation of the mystery. It's not going to be revealed again. We're supposed to read their revelation, understand it and apply it. And that's why in Acts 6, it said they continued in the what? Apostles, the teachings that the apostles gave is the teachings that they had. Do you understand? So, that's it. You can't add to scripture. You are not part of the 12. You are not. Apostles today are not the same as apostles then. They are, those apostles were capital A. Some people say the apostles today are small letter A. Well, I get what you mean. But the apostles then had doctrinal authority. In fact, Paul's letters were, like I showed, they were assimilated by Peter as what? Scripture. That's implicitly, basically. He said other scriptures. So it basically meant that Paul's letters were also what? Scriptures. So um, you cannot add to it because the canon of God's word, it has been closed because the apostles that was that Jesus had taught and had the spirit had revealed to, he revealed it to them so that we might read their revelation and what? Understand their revelation and also what? Live by their revelation. Jigat. Yes. Okay, thank you. My other question is um, the, there are two covenants, right? According to what? According to scripture, there are two covenants. According to who? Mm, according to the Bible. It's not me. Yeah. Oh, Kobami. Um, so, he said those, okay, the Bible says those that are not, those that were not under the first covenant will just have passed from you. What about those that are born or that exist after Jesus, were never heard of Jesus, like they've never ever heard of Jesus. I don't know. I don't know. But if there's anything we find out from scripture is number one, we know that God is good. Number two, we know that God is just. So if anything, we know that we trust the good God to do justice. Whatever he does will be fair because he is good and he is just. I can argue, some theologians have some arguments with uh, Romans chapter 1, Romans 2, but 
still it's not really clear so i'll just say that um but yes there's a way they can argue it and say that those that sin apart from the law are judged apart from the law like rahab for example what did she have faith right what exactly did she believe in she said that that god who parted the red sea and brought you out of you must be the god of the universe she didn't know much but she revered and believed in him and some say that that was enough right so i i don't know i don't exactly know shia your head is blocking her i don't exactly know but all i will say is we know that god is good we know that god is just and then we trust the just judge of the universe to do what is right Please, um, is it okay to add some context to what he said about the geekiness woman, like from personal experience? You're already with the mic now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I, in the church that I used to attend. First square? No. Go on. Do you want me to mention the church? No, 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 go on. You look for squarish. So, it wasn't that I did not know Jesus. It was I knew Jesus and knew that he died and rose again. But you didn't exactly know what it meant what for you. What it meant, you. yes. I remember vividly one time I was watching Passion, for, Passion of Christ. And you were weeping. Say, <laughs> <laughs> so why are you flogging me? <laughs> Flog me instead. I was weeping and I could not understand why these people killed him. But I did not understand that. I did not reconcile it to me. They should kill him, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't reconcile his death with what he did for me. So I just knew that, oh, Jesus died, and then I'm here. It was like so for you, it was an lines. emotional experience, not yes. really revelation. Yes, yeah. it was like parallel lines. There's me, and then there's Jesus. I was even empathizing with him. <laughs> so it's, 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 at that point, I, I know me from personal experience. I know that I wasn't saved because I knew, I wouldn't, say, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't even say I knew the gospel. I would just say I knew history. But then, but then I, didn't know, I didn't know it as the gospel. I just knew that, okay, this happened at some point in time. And then there is me. I know that there's a person called Jesus that died. I didn't know why he died. So. What's your question? No, no, I'm saying that I just wanted to add context. Okay. Well, like I said. <laughs> like I said. The truth is, eh, honestly, it's only God that knows when we got saved. Many times. Because many of us answer like 14 or taco. <laughs> right? So it's only Jesus. And of course, there's nothing about the platform that gets anybody saved. You can be seated here now. It's possible somebody just got born again today. When I was probably just explaining, just got born again today. So it's only God that really knows when we got saved. <laughs> right? Well, like I said, some people are saved and they don't know. Some people are saved and they don't know. Well, some people are not saved. So, if you get us, maybe. Um, all right. Um, so, um, Pastor Nelson. I can't even see who is talking. Okay. Um, you explained um, Ephesians, um, sorry, First Timothy 5, 17. And I did. It was, yeah, it was a reference to Luke. Luke ten seven. But you also mentioned that um, the letters, sorry, the gospel was written, I think you said 32 years after Jesus' resurrection yeah. and ascension. 
and the episodes must have were written before the gospel. So how would they have made reference? Because Jesus was alive now. They quoted his words, not his not the writings about him. And these guys were Jews. They orally passed um, stories down. So they passed it down before they wrote it down. Yeah. It's just that I like I say, you ask the question today, and then I write a book about it, then you write a book later. I'm quoting the events, not your book. Give somebody else who you ask. Oh, okay. No, me. Well, who is with the mic? I have a question. Uh, That's why you are with the mic. Obviously, I have a question. Calm down. <laughs> um, so, you're talking about the Bible. I'm talking about you're inspired by God, right? About Moses, please. About the Bible. <laughs> and that you're inspired by God. But my question is around Proverbs, Song of Solomon, everything. Was it inspired by God? Like, how do we derive the inspiration of God from those, from those books? And if they were not inspired... What do you mean by you derive inspiration from God? Like, I mean that... You just spoke about, for example, Proverbs, and said it's uh, his men's wisdom, Solomon's wisdom, writing those things down. So it doesn't come up to me as inspiration of God. Right? So why, why, like, so that's the question. So why are they in the Bible? Why are they they Why are they in the Bible? Well, like I said, in the Old Testament, they already had agreed books that they knew as the law as the Torah, the compilation of the books. So there was the Pentateuch. They, they have a, comp- a compilation, a compilation of the books that they already had. Do you understand what I'm saying? So Proverbs was already there. Ecclesiastes was already there. Songs of Songs was already there. Apparently, there's an alleged Psalm 151 and then Daniel chapter 14. But it was removed. So they already had those books. And then Jesus acknowledges the Old Testament as well. You guys are making me go into canon. Let me see. Let me see if I if canon is what's next. Okay, we'll see how far we can go. That's Bolu. Okwade. Okay, so they already had the Old Testament and all that, so just added the New Testament to it. I'm coming. Canon. Alright, we have the, I think I can do the canon, I can do the New Testament. I'll just take time on this. I don't think, I'm not sure if I'll enter much on God being a moral monster, but let's see how it goes. I think when I when I answer the canon to I'll answer your question. Uh, any other person? Um, as regards what she said, I used to be on she, I used to be on this study group where the person I headed the group sent us a video to watch so we could learn. Where um, the man answered this question, he said that 
people who have not heard about Jesus, if they look at the world and they see that. That's actually Romans 2 or Romans 1. Okay. Romans 1. That's the Romans 1 answer. Okay. If they look at the world, they can of necessity know that there is a God. And then their conscience will be a standard and a mean to judge them. You know, someone now says, so how would that work? I don't know. Right? But like I said, we trust the judge of the universe to do what is right. Yeah. Sorry. So, um... Take money. Go on. Alright, so my question is this. Actually, I want to start from like saying, I, for one, I grew up in a Catholic home, right? And then I went to an Adventist school, which... Right? And it's like now I'm like I feel like I'm in a new phase, right? So now your wife got But my major question is like, what, what do you mean? What, what do you mean by you feel like you're in a new phase? What's that mean? Yeah, like I feel like I'm learning afresh, basically. Okay. But my question is this, because my question is, what actually causes these major disparities between like, like, dif- these different ways? Because it's like when I was in. When I was Catholic, I truly believe what I was being taught, right? And then when I was Adventist, like, tell you specifically why Sunday is no, like, and they have ways of backing it up and, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we can question. do church on Tuesday, we'll be fine. <laughs> I just want to know what really causes it. I mean, if the central message is Jesus, right? So why What causes it is literary meaning, literal truth, literate interpretation. If we all read the Bible properly, we should arrive at the same thing. So, if you are saying something about the verse of scripture and I'm saying something else, we both can't be correct. Somebody is wrong. Truth is objective. Like, what is a woman? I love that documentary. I watched it. Six minutes, I said, I loved it. But truth is objective. All right, so if we all align with truth and scripture, we should arrive at the same point. But if we don't, somebody is wrong. Somebody is wrong. So, yeah. That's all. I'm tired. All right. Is everything okay? John 17, 7 says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Hebrews 6, 18 says, for these two immutable things, one, it is impossible for 
God to lie. It means Bajo can lie. Tosin can lie. Sorry, Tosin does lie. Right. Women lie. All the time, Shay. Sure, I won't be real. But God cannot lie. God cannot lie. It's impossible for God to lie. Hence, his words are true. His words. If we believe this fact, and we believe that scriptures were inspired by him, then what he says is true. Are you with me now? His word is true. Okay. And then, of course, I mean, uh, Nicodemus, Jesus, I think it's Jesus that was talking to Nicodemus, and he said, if I cannot tell you heavenly truth, or earthly truth, how will I tell you of heavenly truths? That, that's, that system is actually true, right? So Jesus, just like the same way we say to Jesus, I mean, you talk about eternal life, but your proponent is died and is still dead. So how do we know that eternal life is true? Right? So also, when we look at scriptures, archaeologically, apologetically, there are many things we can prove in scriptures that are what? True. That are true. All right. Um, so, yeah. The Bible is historically, archaeologically, many things you can check through scriptures are found to be true. Basically. That's just what I wanted to say. The Bible is not being dubious. Even the natural facts about it can be, many have been checked and have been found to be true. So, yeah. All right. I think, I don't know, I don't know if we'll be able to enter the other part of this teaching. But let's look at the canon. Let's just look at a few things. Canon actually means, it's gotten from the word that means read. Meaning standard of of measurement, measurement. Standard of measurement. Standard of measurement, read. Canon, right? So, when we say canon of scripture, it means the standard for the books that we have. The standard of measurements. Where's Toyosi? Okay. The standard for the books we have. Guys, are you guys learning anything? Is this class worth your time? Okay, because I'm wondering, hey God, like the way people are looking at me. Okay. Um, let me tell you why some books, are you with me? Let me tell you why some books were excluded from the Old Testament. Number one, the Jewish community never accepted them as canon. So all those uh, Maccabees, Tobit, them, them, right? How many of you know this Bible, the Revised Standard Version? And then that Bible has, it has some extra books, yeah? Talk to me now, Shay. That uh-huh. they gave you in MMA. He has extra books. Ah, he's back. Everybody help me appreciate Bolu. No, help me appreciate him. Come here! Help me appreciate him. Help me appreciate him. You're welcome. You're late, but welcome. Number one, the Jewish community never accepted them as what? Bami Sorona. They never accepted them as what? 
never accepted them as canon. Now, you need to understand that the Jews are a very historic society. They are a very historic society. You will need to pay me for this class. I'm exhausted. They are a very, uh, be a pastor, they said. It will be easy, they said. You just be lounging and collecting seeds, they said. I'm t- I used the entire week to present to do this teaching. I'm exhausted. Anyways, the Jews are a very historic people. They are a very historic people. They take history very seriously. They passed it down orally. Right? They took history very seriously. So, that's why uh, uh, in the books of Moses, like I said, I wish I could find that scripture. I don't know why I didn't write it down. Hold on, let me see. Hold on, please. I don't know why I can't, I didn't write it down. Okay. Deuteronomy 31. Deuteronomy 31. Look at this. It says, from verse 24 to 26, the Lord told Joshua, be brave and strong. This contemporary English version. Be brave and strong. I will help you lead the people of Israel into the land I have promised them. It says, listen, 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 listen. Moses wrote down all these laws and teachings in a book. Then he went to the Levite who carried the sacred chest and said, This is the book of God's law. Keep it beside the secret, beside the sacred chest, sacred chest. He said that beside the sacred chest that holds the agreement the Lord your God made with Israel. This book is proof that you know that the Lord that you know what the Lord wants you to do guys are you with me second chronicles 34 15 hilkiah said to shafan this niv the secretary i have found the book of the law in the temple of the lord look daniel chapter 9 from verse 1 and 2 right he said it was the first year of the reign of darius the Medei, the son of ahasuerus who became king of Babylonians during the first year of, the, of his reign. I, Daniel, was studying the writings of the prophets. I learned from the word of the Lord as recorded by who? Jeremiah the prophet that Jerusalem was lie desolate for how long? 70 years. After they came back, are you seeing how the knowledge is progressing and they kept the same books? Are you guys with me? After they came back, Nehemiah 8.8 8, He said, they read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was being read. Um, I'm coming. Ezra also read. He said, you are authorized by the king and his seven advisors to inquire concerning Judah and Jerusalem according to the what law of our god which is in your possession ezra 7 14 so which is in your possession he said 
So Ezra had the law when he was going back to rebuild the temple of Jerusalem. I'm coming. Now, there, of course, a period came where the books were destroyed. And this happened in, this was recorded in Maccabees. I'm going to come to the book of Maccabees. It's an apocryphal book and all. But I said, I read all those verses to, to show you one thing. That um, these books were not just inventions. These things were written down and they were carefully kept. Are you with me? These books were written down and they were carefully kept through their period. Even through captivity, they carried the books. Coming out of captivity, they carried the books. In Babylon, Daniel knew of these books. These books I'm talking about are the Old Testament books. In fact, Daniel said that he was not just reading the law. He was reading of the prophet Jeremiah. Are you with me? You know, you know, David was a king. But then they regarded him as a prophet. Daniel was an advisor, but then they regard Jesus called him a prophet. So they kept the books of these prophets and held them sacred. So the 37 books, 30, 39 books, Abby, the 39 books that we have is not an invention. These are things that were passed down and carefully handled. Do, do you get me? So any book that they excluded as part of these important books had a reason why they excluded it. Do you get what I'm saying? I just wanted to drop that first before I even go into more detailed reasons. Number two reasons why these books were excluded. These books were not accepted by Jesus or the New Testament writers. Jesus quoted the Psalms, the prophets. He quoted the Psalms. He quoted the prophets. He quoted the law. He has, and by the law, it means that he recognized the books of Moses. By the prophets, it means that he recognized the books of the prophets. All right. Um... The books of the prophet, yes? Sorry? Second reason, the the books were not accepted by Jesus or the New Testament writers. By the New Testament writers, I mean the apostles, the ones who wrote um, Luke to Revelation. Are you with me? Great church fathers rejected them. That's That's number three. Great church fathers rejected them. And by church fathers, I mean the direct spiritual sons of the apostles. Polycarp, Athanasius, Origen, all those guys. Do you get what I'm saying? They rejected them. Um, No church council recognized them. In fact, okay, no church council recognized them. You know there were many councils through the history of the church. The council of Nicaea, um, many councils, but they did not recognize any of these books. Let me tell you what Jerome said. Jerome, Jerome, Jerome is the one who wrote the Vulgate. How many of you know what the Vulgate is? The Vulgate is the Latin translation of the Bible. The Latin translation of the Bible. Jerome said, he said that these books are good for, these books are good for manner of life, but they are not, they are not good or recognized, basically, paraphrasing. They are not good or recognized or authoritative for doctrine. Are you with me? He said, these books are good for manner of life, but they are not recognized as authoritative for what? Doctrine. Now, the Latin Vulgate, 
the, he just made a scanty translation of them to Latin in the latter parts of his life. And literally, he would not add those books to his Latin Bible, but literally over his dead body, it was then added. So it was after he died that they now added those books to his Latin translation of the Bible. So if Jerome, who is, I mean, who wrote the Latin Vulgate, did not recognize them, we need to understand that Jerome is not somebody that died last year. He has been. Do you get what I'm saying? So they did not recognize these books. And Tosin, that this also by implication says why these books were recognized. Because these books, Ecclesiastes, Proverbs, they were there. And then they were passed down. So um, it was added after Jerome's death at around AD 420. Catholic scholars, even through the Reformation, they rejected these extra canonical books. Catholic scholars actually rejected Maccabees, Tobit, and them, them. They rejected it through this thing. And ultimately, eh, remember I said, and this is why they say they removed uh, Daniel chapter 14. Daniel has 13 chapters, yeah? Daniel chapter 14, Psalm 151, and some of them are harmless. Some of them are very harmful. But the reason why they removed many of them and did not accept them especially, this is the ultimate reason why these books were not accepted in the Old Testament. They added nothing to Messianic truth. They added nothing to Messianic truth. They added nothing to the knowing of the Messiah. Amen? Amen? All right. Now, for the New Testament, there are, there are even New Testament apocryphal books. Like I said, the Apocalypse of Peter, the Gospel according to Mary, the Gospel of Barnabas, and the likes. There are these books that were rejected. In fact, um, there's the book called the Didache. That's how it's pronounced. Didache, right? It has some things, but I think because of the ambiguity and a few other things, they, they did not add it to the canon, which I'll, I'll even go on. Number one, apostolicity, was where these books written by an apostle. And this one, this, this one disqualifies many of the um, many of these extra canonical books. Were the books written by an apostle? If they were not written by an apostle, we don't hold them to doctrine. Were they written by an apostle? Apostolicity. That's number one. James was, the, James was the brother of Jesus who was not born again while Jesus was alive. But he was recognized as an apostle after. Right? Peter, Paul, um, those are the epistles now. Right? John, uh, Revelations was written by John. Then John, then Peter. So, um, then the Gospels, actually, I think they said Luke. Something I have here concerning that. Let me see. I didn't write it down. I didn't write it down. Okay. Luke. Luke quoted. Luke quoted the people. That he. You know what? Open your Bible. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1.
even the Bible, the Bible will pass plagiarism test. But some of you, once status bless you, you will screenshot and cut the person's name. And say, wow, so blessed. By who? Look at this. It says, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. Just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. He said, therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account to, for you. Oh, Theophilus. Anyways, he said, so that you may, you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Look at this verse 2. He said, not just as they were handed down to us by those who were first, who first were what? Eyewitnesses and servants of the word. So, Luke is telling you basically that this thing eh, that I'm writing, you know Luke was not an apostle. He was not of the twelve. Luke is saying that this thing I'm writing to you, Theo, that I documented and I'm passing down what those who follow Jesus said. Are you with me? Those who follow Jesus said so. This, this will even bring me to the next point. Number one, I said what? Was it written by an apostle? But number two, Catholicity. You know, Catholic actually means universal. So Catholicity will now mean, was it accepted by the church? So Luke was not an apostle, but his letter was accepted, or his account was accepted by who? By who? Was accepted by the church, Right? So, Catholicity, that even, even people like Polycap, Irenaeus, Jerome, Origen, these guys, uh, these guys, they wrote letters, and in their letters, there were specific books that they accredited. They said, for example, you say the letter to the Corinthians. Um, I think uh, there's even one that says they taught the epistles to the Corinthians or something like that, but it was discredited. So, they were particular, because there were many books at that period that were, that were fake, pretending to be books of the apostles or epistles, these guys wrote it down. They wrote their own and they said, these are the books we recommend, especially Origin, right? They said, these are the books we recommend. So, Origin, Polycap, Jerome, Origin, they were particular books that they recommended. And part of those books are the books that we have in our 27 New Testament canon. Is it 27? 27 New Testament canon. He wrote down the epistle. So, he didn't leave it to chance. He said, these are the letters that we recognize. Are you with me? So, I think um, verses, verses were added in, 20, in 1225. That's when chapters, you know, were added. 1225 by, I think the guy was the Archbishop of Canterbury then. So, that's when verses were added. So, so when he just said the letters, he meant letters, not um, you know, without without the verses, of course. Are you learning anything? Then number um, this thing. The final point which I will just bring is what um, authenticity, authenticity. Like I said, many of these books were fakes and fabricated. Because they knew, for example, wouldn't you want to hear the gospel according to Mary? Like, what, how was Jesus before he grew up? Like, what, was he stubborn? Did you flog him? 
So many of them knew that if you use his mother's name to put the book, people will seemingly trust it. Hence, they used their names, the names of the apostles, to hype um, the false messages they were peddling. Are you with me? So, these three, I can go on, but these three is basically a very good um, a very good uh, explanation for, I mean, for the canon. Alright. Um, number one for the New Testament is what? Number two? Number three? I mean, some of these some of these extra canonical books are hilarious. You find them say things like, uh, uh, "It's so funny." You find them say things like, uh, "What's that word?" For example, one says that uh, Jesus turned his classmates to goats. Yeah, your savior. One says that, you know, an, an, a lion wanted to attack Paul or one of those apostles. And then he preached to the lion. The lion, like they threw him in the arena. He preached to the lion. Lion repented. The lion helped him escape. And then he baptized the lion. Yeah. Wow. Iro kabiti kabiti. So, yeah. So, that's the question on authenticity. Right, the authenticity was many of them were found to be fake. In fact, you know, um, the archaeology and many of things that found many of those books were fake. Right, Mike, easy, Mike. Okay, don't worry, don't worry, enjoy. Press it now. Thank you, sir. I was going to ask about Paul, that Saul who wrote many of the epistles. He, I don't know, was he an eyewitness or... Um, he was an he, apostle. So he passes the check of apostolicity. He passes the check of... Because you see, that's why you see Paul. In fact, they gave him a letter to prove that he was an apostle. One. Number two... Was it Paul? Number two, you find Paul will say things like, Am I, are they apostles? I'm all. And then he will begin to list his criteria. And they accepted. In fact, in Galatians 2, he went to them to go and check his message. So they confirmed him as an apostle. Peter saying, implying that Paul's letters are scriptures, confirms. They accepted him as an apostle. That's, that's, there's that. Then, um, Catholicity, that's the general acceptance. They accepted that he was an apostle. Okay, that means... Um Going by the definition, an apostle in those days was not just an eyewitness, right? They could, someone could also be confirmed. As Paul was not an eyewitness. Okay. And that's why Paul would say, I'm as one born out of season. Mm. Right? So, Thank you, sir. But, again, even though Paul was born out of season, he was apostle, capital letter A. Because it could affect doctrine. But no apostle today can affect doctrine. So, yeah. They are the foundation. We build on what they've already built. So, yeah. Any other question? Let me just take a question around this. Yeah. I could, I Yeah, give him mic. 
Does he look like somebody that would like false doctrine? <laughs> oh, yes, sir. Um, You're waiting for him to finish drinking water before you ask. Ask now. Okay, the question is, so some people say for you to be a be an apostle now, you must have seen Jesus physically. Like No, I've heard that. I've heard that. My question It's true, it's a legit question. Go on. (laughs) So my question is, is that true? Does your So in Acts chapter fourteen? In Acts chapter 14, um, the Bible says after they, the, you know, Paul was not always called an apostle, even after he saw Jesus. And it's not everybody that saw Jesus that were called apostles. So, in Acts chapter 14, Acts chapter 13, the Holy Ghost said, they prayed and they fasted, and then they released them. In Acts chapter 14, they didn't just call Paul an apostle, they called Paul and Barnabas apostles. So nobody can now say, but Barnabas was part of the twelve. Well, later on, I think Paul even wrote about Timothy. He said, We we are your apostles. There were many other people apart from the twelve that were called apostles. I think at least twelve or fifteen that were called apostles apart from the twelve. But it seemed like these guys, their apost their apostolic authority was not capital letter A. Meaning it was not doctrinal. So Timothy was referred to as an apostle too. Later on, when Paul was writing the letter, he said, greetings from Timothy, from uh, somebody else and then from him. He said, we are your apostles. Who are the we? The three of them. Do you get? So, um, and I don't know, there's no record of Timothy seeing Jesus. It can be argued, it can be anything, but yeah. Okay. Um, good afternoon, sir. Shalom. Uh, thank you so much for the teaching so far. You're welcome. Um, so I have this question. I've had it for Ask quite it. now, and <laughs> you know, there was a yeah, you, you mentioned something that actually made, made me like remember it right. Glory now. to God. So <laughs> you so, are nervous. Calm you, down. You, you, yeah. Like, I've Breathe. Seen it right. <laughs> Breathe. Thank you. Breathe. Imagine I'm your back end. <laughs> Okay. okay, so you, you said something, right? And uh, that was about, you know, you mentioned that um, when Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit and he told his disciples, he said, the Holy Spirit is going to lead you into all truth. That he was not really talking, he was not really talking to us, right? He was talking to the disciples. Now, I have this challenge whereby, you know, it's, there's kind of this difficulty in kind of like to kind you of differentiate. in Jesus' name. Okay. <laughs> To kind of differentiate the, the things that Jesus said to his, um, his disciples and still applies to us, right? For example, you know, I've had this thought where, you know, when um, Jesus was speaking, was actually speaking to the disciples directly. He said, I've given you authority over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and all of that. Uh-huh. You know, I, 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 and, you know, there's this thought that, hey, he wasn't talking to you. He was talking to the disciples. But what I usually do is, like, I try to, like, find other scriptures that corroborate it and try to, like, build my faith on that. But I would love to know what you do in those cases. So, Jesus gave them authority. As they went, he gave it. He said, 
In fact, those were his final words. He said, all power in heaven and earth has been given to me. Right? As my father sent me, so sent I. You need to understand that. You need to corroborate. So, in Mark 16, when he says, you sh- um, cast out devils, blah, blah, blah. He said, those that believe in my name. When he said those that believe, he was not talking of the apostles. He was saying, those that believe in my name, they will do this. So, if he was talking to me, and he says, go and preach those that believe. So, those I preach to, this is, these are the signs that we follow them. Are you with me? So, that is Mark's account of the Great Commission. You trample on serpents and scorpions is another account of the Great Commission. Right? Um, uh, whosoever sin you forgive is declared forgiving. It's another account of the Great Commission. That verse just means if you preach the gospel, if they believe, you can tell them their sins are forgiven. If they don't believe, you can tell them their sins are still with them. Like I've told Tosi now. So, it does not mean that you have the power to forgive sins. You are not God. Do you get? It's another account. So, when Jesus, for example, in Mark 10, Matthew 10, 8 to 10, it said, cast out devils, heal the sick, raise the dead, freely you have received, freely give. And he sent them out. If there's anything you can learn from this, Jesus sent men out with signs. So, if we are going out for him, signs will follow right? And then, if we are going out for him, we can bank on the fact that the same signs that follow them will follow us. And then, the, the epistles tell us about the fact that we have power in his name. So, any power that the apostles flowed him in his name, because we have the same name that has not diminished in authority, right? We can still flow in the same. That's just it. He's Jesus. He's not IKEDC. It's Jesus. So about the twelve. Why right, starting your question with so? Okay. About the twelve disciples. Um. So Judas, Judas betrayed Jesus, right? So why are you still calling them twelve? Because another person joined. But my question is: Did Jesus accept that other person? Like. Did Jesus accept him? Yes. Like the church did, just the same way they accepted Paul. So that, why are you now saying is that they are part of like a person is part of the twelve? He is part of the twelve, because it was also prophesied. He said his bishopric, he, the office that he had, let another take. So all the capacities that Judas would have had, this guy has it. He stepped into what's name Justus or Bar, Bar Matthias, you know. So Matthias was in that as well. But remember, they didn't just pick anybody. They said, who is the person that has been with us since the baptism of John? That had been with them through the stories of... So it's possible that Matthias was part of the 70. So, yeah. Jesus had a lot of fans. So, Starboy. Starboy J. So, you mentioned why explain. Do you hear what it started with? Go on, go on. You mentioned um, one of the explanations for why some books were left out, um, particularly in the, um, the Old Testament, was that they added nothing to the knowing of the Messiah. So, is it then right to infer that 
all the books that were accepted as the Bible, that is the Old Testament, they added in some ways to the knowing of the Messiah. No. But then again, it's not just one of these um, these things that make it true. It's a compilation of them all. Do you get what I'm saying? Do you get what I'm saying? So let me explain again. For example, for the New Testament, for the New Testament, there was apostolicity, there was uh, Catholicity, there was authenticity. So, the ones that were written by an apostle were accepted universally as Catholicity, and then they were authentic. So, all of them flow together. Do you get what I'm saying? But in the Old Testament, right, the Jewish community has to accept it. The Jewish community has to accept it. Jesus have to as, a, as Jesus and the apostles have to accept it and quoted from it. Um, the church fathers have to have recognized it. Church councils have to have recognized it. You know, um, Catholic scholars have to have recognized it then. Right? And it, so it's not just one of them that makes it true. It's usually a combination of them all. Or most of them. Do you get what I'm saying? But the reason why even the books that don't really add much to Messianic truth are added is because the Jewish community accepted it. The church fathers recognized it. Church councils recognized them. Um... What else? Jesus and the New Testament writers um, recognize them as scripture and quoted from them and things like that. Do you get? Tosin, that's the answer to your question too. I'm not shading you. As I said, Tosin, please just count down. Then I'll shade you. I'll shade you. Are we? Are we good? Are we, the way Bolu is looking at me is like, when will you get to deep things? These are basics. Bolu is Bolu is the word on two feet. He's a walking NIV. Amen to Jesus. All right. Um, I want to just touch a few things on the Old Testament. I want to touch a few things on the Old Testament. Pass the mic. Just let me, let me, I want to ask, I want this to be as interactive as possible. Um, when the Bible says God is a jealous God, is he a good or a bad thing? Raise your hand now. Attempt. When the Bible says God is a jealous God, is he a good or bad thing? Is jealousy a good thing? Okay, let's hear you. Um, I think the way that was speaking was in the sense... No, no, you stand up when you're talking to me. I'm joking, I'm joking. Sit down. I'm listening, I'm listening. <laughs> I think it was in the sense that, I mean, the way, you know, God can be jealous for his people in terms of when they go after other gods. So a jealousy that is born out of um, love for... Um, walking in the right path, how a parent can be, uh, it's hard to explain, but um, <laughs> um, the love um, a husband would have for his wife. But you're single. Uh, go on, go on. <laughs> and would, and would um, do anything, you know, within his power to protect, you know, um, don't come close and don't touch, you know, and all of those kinds of, but basically I think the context in when he's talking was love, not the jealousy that is inspired by that's my attempt. A king and what? Now, 
Jealousy is not always a bad thing. So a lot of people are quick to say, if God is good, how can he say he's a jealous God? Why is he jealous? You know, Oprah said that she used to be a Christian, but she stopped being a Christian because God was jealous of her. Because she heard that God is a jealous God. Why is he jealous of me? It doesn't make sense. So she says she's not doing your faith again. Right? Oprah Winfrey. So, um, there's bad jealousy. Bad jealousy, which is a work of the flesh, stands around something called self-centeredness. But then there is good jealousy. Good jealousy is rooted in love for another, care and protection for another. Second Corinthians 11 2, Paul said, I'm jealous over you as one that has espoused you unto one husband, even to Christ. So jealousy in that context, 2 Corinthians 11 2, was sin. A woman who acts single, even though she's dating, believe it or not, is single. Bajo can relate. <laughs> the way he said it's with, from his chest, he's single. Not they have done this strong thing. This is his gender. That you pray. <laughs> Toby's gender. Anyways, she didn't hear me. <laughs> now, if a woman is married and she does not care when a man comes around her, when a, another woman comes around her man, frolicking around, she does not care. It's two things. Either she's for me, hard guy, or she does not care about you. She's married. Ma? That, that falls under the category of she does not care. Either she's, she's, hey God. Either she does not care about you, or she's what? Or she's forming hard guy. Right? So also, the same thing for the husband. So also, actually, the same thing for pastoring. If you've discipled, can we stop moving around? If you've, st- if you've discipled people, no, you can go if you want to leave home. Okay. If you've discipled people, you, you are paranoid over them. Because <laughs> the streets are wild. Because, I mean, all manner of doctrine are in the gutters. So you are paranoid over them. Okay. Um, so yes. So when the Bible says God is jealous, God is God is a jealous God and you continually see that he is jealous in terms of the same way a mother hen will spread her wings over her cheeks to fiercely protect her. Figuratively, God continually presents himself as an impassioned lover. Are you guys with me? Impassioned lover. Hence, it is in that context that the jealousy of God makes sense. Um, let's read a few scriptures. Hosea 11.8 um, uh, Jeremiah 2.13 and then Ezekiel 6, 9. Hosea 
eleven eight, Jeremiah two thirteen, Ezekiel six nine. Everywhere I go, I see you right there. In the beauty of nature, you shine all around. Hosea eleven verse eight. Prophesy. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I treat you like Adma? How can I make... Toby, you are not reading like, like somebody that is, that is impassioned. You are reading lonely. Toby, read it. Read it, read it like it's touching you. Maybe I should read Jeremiah. <laughs> How can I how can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I treat you like Adma? How can I make you like Zerub? <laughs> Let me read it. Don't worry. Before you spoil my analogy for me. Look at this. Hosea 11.8. He said, how can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I treat you like Adma? How can I make you like Zeboim? My heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused. (laughs) He said, I will not carry out my fierce anger, nor will I turn and devastate Ephraim. For I am God and not man, the Holy One among you. I will not come in wrath. They will follow the Lord. Yadi, yadi, yadi. Now, he said, my compassion is aroused within me. God is speaking like a lover that is calling again, saying people back to him. Are you with me? Are you with me? Um, Jeremiah 2.13. He said, my people have committed two great sins, right? My people have committed two great sins. They have chased after sisters that hold no... They are forsaking the living God. They are forsaking the fountain of living water and gone after broken cisterns that hold no water. That hold no... So, God, you see, God continually, we find him chasing Israel. It's like a husband that is continually being cheated on, chasing the wife that is cheating on him. Right? That's exact... You know, on the radio, one guy, he said, the most committed sin through the Bible is adultery. I said, stop lying. He said it's adultery. I said most times when the Bible spoke of adultery in the Old Testament, it was figurative of Israel following other gods when they were espoused to one God, which was Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews. Do you get me? The next verse. The, ne- the next verse. Hence, in fact, let me even say this. God in saying Jeremiah that they have forsaken the fountain of living water and gone after broken cisterns that hold no water. What this actually means is this is a jealousy that seeks to protect. So he's saying that you've gone after what works for what is not working. You've gone after what satisfies for what you've gone, you've left what satisfies and you've gone after what does not satisfy. This was actually God's heart cry for Israel. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? All right. Next verse. Ezekiel 6, 9. 
Ezekiel is a Muslim. Ezekiel 6 9. Then those of you who escape will remember me among the nations where they are carried captive because I was crushed by the adulterous heart which has departed from me and by the eyes which play the harlots after their idols. They will loathe themselves for the evils which they have committed in all their abominations. My brother, you are reading without comma. So it's hard for me to get. He said, let me read, don't worry. Then in the nations where they have carried captive, those who escape will remember me. How I have been grieved by their adulterous hearts, which have turned away from me, and by their eyes, which have lusted after idols. He said they will loathe themselves for the evil they have done, and for all their detestable practices. A rich to be jealous, I be no rich. This is the same God that brought them out of Egypt. So this jealousy is not like, ah, you have what I want. No. This jealousy is a fierce protection because of love. Are you guys with me? So that's why God always likens idolatry to adultery. To adultery. In fact, this even if you read Ezekiel 16 and Ezekiel 23, you will find out clearly that the terms that God, that the prophet was using and God was speaking through the prophet here, he choke that idolatry clearly is adultery. Ezekiel 16, Ezekiel 26. We don't have time. We can't go through it, so... He said, again, another one. We now begin to find the prophet speaking like God was a wounded lover that was calling his lovey back to him. Ezekiel 18.23. Ezekiel 18.23. All right. It says, Do I take any pleasure? Hold on. Do I take any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the sovereign Lord? He said, rather, am I not pleased that they turn from their ways and leave? Let's go down to verse 31 to 32. He says, read yourself of all the offenses you have committed and get a new heart and new spirit. Why will you die, O house of Israel? He's winning, he's calling out to people who have left him and have gone after other things. Guys, are you with me? Isaiah 66, 4. Isaiah 66, 4. All right. Look at this. It says, it says, look at this. It said, so, I will also choose harsh treatment for them and will bring upon them what they dread. He said, for when I called, no one answered. When I spoke, no one listened. They did evil in my sight and choose what displeases me. Hold on. The next verse, I'll read the next verse and then I will explain this. Um, Amos 4. 
Amos 4. Amos 4. Bajo, just open Psalm 81.10. Amos 4. See that you are good, you are good, Jesus. You are good, you are good, Jesus. All right. Look at this. It says, it says, let me read from verse 6. It said, I gave you empty stomachs in every city and lack of bread in every town, yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. See, this verse, even going back to Isaiah 66, a lot of people now say, they use this thing and wrongly interpret that God can use sickness because he wants to get your attention. No. First of all, you need to understand that they, they operated in a dispensation called the law. And because they operated in that dispensation, there could not just be reward. There had to be punishment. So, if you broke the system, there was punishment. And what Isaiah 66 and Amos 4 actually now tells us is, this punishment was not to destroy them. This punishment was to call their attention to repentance and come back to him. And that's why when you read the book of Judges, and he said that the hearts of the children were turned away from the Lord. The Lord will send a judge. They will repent. They will have peace. It will be turned away again. So every time that their enemies came after them, it was God calling them. You need to understand that, like I said, they had the law, but then again, their hearts were hardened. So this, were, this was one of the only ways to reach out to them. And of course, because of the dispensation in which they existed. So somebody cannot think, oh my God, why is it that God will now send things to attack them? This is why. It was not to destroy them, it was to call their attention. Are you with me? Let me read on. I gave you empty stomachs in every city and lack of bread in every town, yet you have not returned to me, declared the Lord. I also withheld rain from you when the harvest was still three months away. I sent rain on one town, but withheld it from another. One field had rain, another had none and dried up. People staggered from town to town for water, but did not get enough to drink. Yet, you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. Many times I struck your gardens and vineyards. I struck them with blight and mildew. Um, mildew. Locusts devoured your figs and olive trees. Yet, you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. I sent plagues among you as I did to Egypt. Your young men with the sword along with your captured horses. I filled your nostrils with stench of the camp, yet you have not returned to me. I overthrew some of you as I overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. You were like a burning stick snatched from fire, yet you have not returned to me, declared the Lord. For God to use all these things to call your attention, you still no return. But I hope you understand why we are different from the Old Testament. I hope you understand why God will not use sickness today to catch your attention. Do you get this? Because you operate under another dispensation that is not the law. Because of the law they operated, definitely the sickness was a byproduct of sin. Still not always. Because it's Jesus and Romans that then gets to tell us that who sinned that this man should perish? Nobody sinned. It doesn't have to be sin for that to happen. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
Psalm 81. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. 10 to 11. Verse 11. But my people would not heed my voice and Israel would have none of me. So God had called them but they will not listen. God had called them but they will not listen. Alright. So him being jealous here is an impassioned lover that owns these people but they have refused to heed his call. Do you understand what I'm saying? Alright. Let me, let's just run. Again, God can be angry. This is just, some people now say, why is God jealous? Why is God angry? The thing is, we always think that anger is sin. Jesus was angry and he is God. God can be angry. The, but what, if there's anything the Bible tells us, Exodus 34, 6, is that God is what? Slow to anger. But God can be angry. I mean, anger is not always sin. Right? Exodus, Ephesians 4, I think it's the one that says, 426 that says, um, don't let the sun set on your anger. Then I think it's James that says, be angry but sin not. Hear me? Share one of them. James 119, Ephesians 426. So, but the thing is this, you know, the Bible verse says, it says, the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. And a lot of people use that verse to now say, oh, you see, it means that if God is angry or has wrath, he has committed a work of the flesh called, he has committed a sin that is a work of the flesh. No. It is the wrath of man that does not work the righteousness of God. But clearly the wrath of God cannot be separated from his righteousness. It cannot be separated from his righteousness. Are you guys with me, please? It cannot be separated from his righteousness. He is good, always good. Even in his judgment, he is good. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 34, he said, you are good and all your ways are judgment. It means that you are good and you are just. So you cannot separate good from uh, justice. If a man is good, he must be just. And any system that rewards and does not recompense is an unjust system. Are you guys with me, please? Anyways. I want to just explain. Let me just wrap up with this one on this jealousy thought. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 13. Hey, Israel. This is Israel's work. Deuteronomy 10, 13. I'll go and write in his book too. To my own back. It says, and let me read from 12. And now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good. For your own good. That's all God is. The decrees that the Lord gives is for our what? That's basically what Deuteronomy 10 is saying. So God's jealousy is for our good. It's for our good. It's for our good. Like I said, God is the only being in the entirety of the universe that is allowed to be self-centered. Why? Because his self-centeredness benefits everybody. Amen. 
Now, I don't think I have time to establish this well, so I'm not going to explain it. Turn your Bible, Second Peter 2. Let me just drop this very quickly. This is the last thing and then we're out of here. Has it been worth your time? Second Peter 2. See, our time has already gone. It's almost five. It says, I'm coming, I'm trying to even look for, you know what, let's read it down. He said, but there were also false teachers among the people, just as there were, there will be false teachers amongst you. That will take us a lot. Look at verse 4. He said, for if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them into gloomy dungeons to be judged, to be held for judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on it for its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others. If he condemned the city of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued Lot, a righteous man, who, had dis- who was destroyed by the filthy lives of lawless men, right? if this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly men from trials, and yada, yada, and yada, yada. There's a reason I'm reading this. One. I want to see, okay. Look at Jude. Let's read Jude's account. That's done like three, four pages. You see Jude. Where are you? Okay, let's read from verse 6. Verse 5. He said, though you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord delivered his people who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority but abandoned their own home, these he had kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example for those who will suffer the punishment of eternal fire. In the same way, blah, 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 blah. Now, there's a reason I'm quoting this. I find a lot of people, I've come across a couple of people that have said, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah, it was not God. And then Noah's flood, it was not God. It's not true. Jude. And the reason why it says not God is because it sounds wicked. But when we look at the overarching context, we know it's not. For two reasons. Jude wrote it. Peter wrote almost the same thing. It looked like they copied each other. They used the same examples. If angels that did not keep their first estate, Sodom and Gomorrah, then the flood. He said that these things are an example for what will happen to the ungodly. How? Noah was a preacher of righteousness. In building the ark and just telling men, step into the ark, you will be saved. Nobody listened to him. Noah built the ark for 120 years. Nobody listened to him. In fact, many theologians said that if Noah's, the Bible says in Noah's time that the earth was exceeding wicked. If Noah's, if um, theologians said that if the flood had not cleared Noah's day, people would have killed themselves. Because everybody was indulging in self pleasures and things. 
people would have killed themselves. Now, there are many other arguments to it, but anyways, I don't want to go into what I will not finish. So, um, God, because Jude and Peter says, and they use it as a typification of the judgment to come. If we remove the fact that it was not God that did it, then it would be dangerous. Then we have no New Testament basis or no Old Testament example for the New Testament reality, which is the judgment to come. Do you get what I'm saying? Which is the judgment to come. Um, I've even heard people try to excuse God from, they say God does not send men to hell. Unbelief does. Mm. Who is the one that sets the justice system in place? That, that will not be the question. He says, sin. Is there an entity called sin? Do you guys understand what I'm saying, please? So, when we come to Jude, and then we come to Second Peter, I wish there was more time, but when we come to Jude, and then we come to Second Peter, one thing that we get to find out from both of them is this. Noah had been preaching for many years. He had been preaching for many years and then men did not believe. And then when the Bible says, my spirit will no longer strive with man for his days shall be 120. It does not mean that man will live for 120 years. Right? Theologians actually say that it was um, how long Noah was taking to build the ark and how long he had been pleading with these guys that believed this may come into the ark and be saved and they did not. And of course, that's basically how Noah was preaching. How did Noah get saved by faith? Rain had never fallen. But God told him, build an ark. He built it. Because in Noah's day, the Bible says, water came from the ground to where the crop. Rain had never fallen. That was faith. We now go to um, Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom was a wicked city. They worshipped a god called Molech. Which a lot of people say is the same god that people worship when they do abortions. Anyways. They worship a god called Molech. This was a child that child sacrifices were being offered unto. Molech was a, ch- was a god with, an, with outstretched arms. They placed the child on it. They heat it up. Like they make it hot. They put the child on it and then they start drumming to drown the tears of the child. And then the child dies. Basically, the child is cooked. Some other people now say, why did God send out the children of um, the Philistines, the Ammonites, and the children of Canaan from their land? Right? Why did he send them out and give it to children of Israel? Is that not unfair? Well, first of all, the earth is the Lord's, but that's by the way. Secondly, the Bible says that the ground had been crying out against the wickedness of those people. But the Bible says their wickedness... Oh God, I'm entering things I don't have time to finish. Their... Their wickedness was not yet full. It was a quota. It was not yet full. So, when you look at Noah's flood, Noah had been preaching for years. No single convert. Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham pleaded and said, you know what? What if you find ten? There were no ten good people in a city. Imagine, in fact, the angels came. They wanted to sleep with those angels. Lord said, let me give you my daughters. They said, no. We want those fine men. <laughs> it's those men we want. But Brisky will thrive in that day. But anyways, so 
is those men that they said we wanted. That was a wicked civilization. So, we need to understand that Noah's flood and then Sodom and Gomorrah, it was not that God just get angry and say, destroy them. No. Their wickedness had to. If I let me look for that verse for you. Then I'll just take questions. Look at how Genesis 18.20 even put Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, he said, he said, let me, let me, let me just read it here. He said, then the Lord said, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin is so grievous. What verse was I reading? 20. Let me see. He said, I will go down to see if their actions fully justify the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will find out. Anyways, such a wicked city. There's somewhere I'm looking for. I can't find this verse. For some reason, I can't find it. And it was not in my notes. I didn't want to come to this verse. But anyways, God judging Sodom and Gomorrah and God judging um, Noah's day, to dispute it will be to dispute the teachings of an apostle. Because these are two teachings that are captured in the epistles. And then when we read back and we get the context, we know it was not just God flexing his power because he was angry. It was justice. Are you with me? That brings me to the end of my note. Thank you. All right. So let me just take final questions for a few minutes. We just pray and I'm out of here. Um, I've had an argument where they said it wasn't God who sent the fire to Sodom and Gomorrah because apparently the person that stayed back with Abraham when Abraham was pleading was God. So it was the two angels that went to Sodom and Gomorrah that then destroyed, that then sent the fire. It was a, a very serious, I, I'm serious, I wish you were there. Wait, it was don't worry, I've argument. heard it before. They would have injured some people. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. So, it was the angels that did it. How? Are we saying now that angels just acted? In fact, like I said, if it was just an Old Testament account, it would have been different. This guy, Jude and Peter, tell us that if the same person who did not spare the angels, who was the one who casted down Lucifer? Whatever casting down means. But who was the one? I don't even know if it's Lucifer. I used to avoid all those theological systems. But that particular one. Because I don't know much around it. But who was the person who... Um, who was the person who... Who 
threw the, who threw down the angels who lost their first estate? Who was the one who judged them? Hmm? Acting on whose command? Hmm? Talk to me now. God, Abby. Fantabulous. Now, listen now. You asked a question. Listen. If it was Michael that cast them down, but he was acting on God's orders, right? He said the same one who did it is the same person who speared not Sodom and Gomorrah and is the same person who cleared Noah's day. Who is that person? He's God. He's God. And why it's hard to dispute is because these things are captured in epistles. You know, I find it very silly that people who say, who take uh, Second Peter 3.9, is that it? We're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. First Peter, is it First Peter? First Peter First Peter 2 9. We take that, but then Second Peter 2, we say, No, there must be some. No. You must take it. Do you get it? There's no point defending it. it is, is when, you, when you study the overarching context, you understand that God was not just being mean. He was being just. He's being just. Yeah. All right, let's pray. Father, we honor you. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we honor you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the fellowship we share in your name. Thank you, mighty God. Father, as we grow, we stay more in your word. We find delight in your word. We find your voice in the word. We take authority we take authority from your word or we see the authority in your word and we align. We align. Father, we love you because you first loved us. We honor you because you have bought us with a price. Our bodies are yours. Our lives are yours. All that we have and all that we are belongs to you. Thank you, mighty Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Lord, we grow in your word and we love your word even more. Hallowed be your name. In Jesus' name we have prayed. I trust you were blessed by the teaching of God's word. Nelson the Hard Rock Ministries is a mandate that seeks to see men saved, trained, and sent. For more ministry content, visit us at c.me forward slash Nelson Hard And for contact details, follow on Instagram at Nelson Hard God bless you.